Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody. It is the Huddle Up! Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and powered by Blue Wire Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me is my fellow football priest. You know him. You love him. He is the deputy editor of MileHighHuddle.com, Zach Kelberman. Zach, dude, first and foremost, how was your weekend, bro? And then we'll get in some Bronco talk. I mean, I'm just like realizing how pale I am, first of all, Chad. I'm looking at myself, and maybe a white T-shirt wasn't the best choice tonight, but it was a pretty decent weekend. You know, I'm enjoying uh, the calm before the storm because OTA starts tomorrow in uh, Dove Valley, the next round of the off-season program. Then before you know it, training camp is getting here. But every day that Russell Wilson is the Broncos quarterback is a good day to me. Hope you had a good weekend as well. It was a good weekend, but I was a little bit under the weather. So, I mean, maybe it wasn't. I mean – it was a good weekend in the sense of what I was able to do and spend time with the family and all that. Was it a great? No. Cause I was a little bit under the weather for Friday and Saturday, feeling back on my feet today, but, but yeah, dude, I mean, you were in Vegas, you were in the desert sun. What are you, t- what are you worried about your complexion, that bro? Was a while ago. I go back to pale. I, that's my default setting. Like factory reset on Zach is uh, this color that you see in front of you. <laughs> well, Hey guys, a couple of things we want to get to right out of the gates. First and foremost, Kelberman, what's this? A lot of people have been reaching out, wanting to know about the article at milehighhuddle.com. I'll pull it up for people to see who might be scratching their heads. But who was out there asserting, pounding the table for the Denver Broncos to go sign former Vic Fangio standout in Chicago, Akeem Hicks? Yeah, this was another Bleacher Report special that I felt compelled to report on. Uh, The Broncos were named curiously or, you know, interestingly among Super Bowl contenders who should make one more move that would help their chances of winning said Super Bowl. Uh, The writer for Bleacher Report picked Akeem Akeem Hicks, the former Pro Bowler with the Bears in 2018, spent the last six seasons there. His body's breaking down a little bit, but he can push the pocket. He's good against the run. Uh, He's pretty much like another DJ Jones, but I wonder, and I posit, do the Broncos need him? Do the Broncos spend the four and a half, five million dollars that he's projected to draw annually on Akeem Hicks? Do they not already have a good defensive line? They added to it with a a woozer Rike. Got it. I don't think they need Akeem Hicks. It would be a luxury move, but he's going on 33 years old. Again, he's missed um, quite a few games the last couple of years. He can wreak havoc when healthy, but so can Draymond Jones. So can the Broncos' current players. I think uh, the Broncos would pass ultimately on Akeem Hicks. A little too long in the tooth, I think, to try and claim this would be like the last missing piece. I liked Hicks about the time Fangio came to Denver. I liked Hicks a lot. He was still maybe toward the tail end, but he was still in his prime. He was coming off 2018 anyway. Was like was he was either 
I'm pretty sure he was pro. I know for a fact he was a pro bowler, but I don't know if he was. All, oh, you got it right here. Pro bowler in 2018, named among the top 100 players, hit free agency that spring, if I'm not mistaken, too. Um, that's when I would have been interested in Akeem Hicks. Whoops. We got the, uh, what is this? Ghostbuster baseball dudes? <laughs> I uh, don't know what that is. <laughs> people listening on audio are going, what the Sam Hill? Um, he was great then, and he's solid now. I beg to differ that he would be like that missing last cherry on top to get you over the hump. He even drafted another defensive lineman other than a Wuzurike and Matt Henningsen, who uh, the Broncos coaching staff is fairly high on as well. So I'm always a proponent of giving the younger players on the roster their chance to grow and chance to shine. And signing Akeem Hicks would take away their reps, take away their chance to do that. It's a worthy shout, and I like the Broncos are being included now among Super Bowl teams in these articles, Chad, but I don't see it coming to fruition in reality. Hey, guys, a couple of quick reminders as uh, Michaela jumps in with a Michaela Bomb Super. Hey, look, she's rocking her DT jersey in the profile pic, like the boss that she is. Love you. Appreciate you. She says, no on Hicks. Amen, sister. I'm with you on that. No on on Hicks. Hey, guys, uh, gentle reminder, early in the show, you're on YouTube, you're on Facebook, you're already checking out the content. Many of you participating in the conversation. We're going to be getting into the chat more. Like the video. Small thing you can do, Facebook, YouTube, like this video. Helps us out in a big, bad way. Zach, I unfortunately had to cross something uh, off my list. I found myself kind of being compelled to do today, and that is writing about Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition. But at the same time, For the first time ever, the wife of a Denver Broncos quarterback graced the cover of the swimsuit issue. Are you kidding me? I guess it's newsworthy, so we had to cover it. But Russell Wilson's wife, Sierra, makes SI's swimsuit cover. She's hecka stoked, as she should be. She said, my dream to be on the cover of SI swimsuit came true. Uh, There she is uh, in all of her glory. She's getting the uh, props as well, Zach, from from, uh, Hubby, right? All stoked was was Russ on Twitter for his missus. That's what I meant to tell you at the end when you asked me, how was your weekend? It was good, but it was kind of punctuated by writing that article. What's up, Sam Bam? Thank you, bro. It's great to see you. You are a stud. Love your profile pic. Still to this day, one of my faves. It's May 22nd, isn't it? <laughs> it's that it is. Right now, but that's cool. That That's that's my out, right? That's how I just, that's how I sleep tonight. Let's get to more pressing topics here and sam bam seriously dude you are the man really appreciate you buddy so consistent um want to be able to meet you someday sam bam hopefully you'll be able to make it out to one of the meet and greets this coming fall we'll be having some news on that dates and whatnot in the very very near future but zach when the denver broncos went on the clock in the fifth round and selected samford wide receiver montrell washington we all went who and almost everybody, even the most ardent, hardcore, just like all I do is draft 24-7, draft Knicks, were like, who? No one really knew much about this Montreal Washington. The only thing he really had by way of tape to find online or anything was the one game, which was still kind of a poor cut-up television broadcast of him against Florida. But, Zach, it turns out after that pick as we started gathering information on Montreal. Oh, well, the word on the street was it was the special teams coordinator, Dwayne Stukes. That's who was really asserting this as a pick because the knock on Montreal Washington isn't 
really Montrell Washington. It's that he was such a low-profile player from a small school. Why'd you use a fifth-round pick on him when you could have, in all probability, signed him after the draft? Well, initially, the impression, Zach, was this is why Dwayne Stukes was pounding the table, brand-new special teams coordinator. It was interesting. This almost slipped through the cracks. Zach, I almost missed this, but going through the quotes, I caught it. It wasn't really Stukes as the impetus of the whole Montreal Washington discovery, for lack of a better term. It was none other than Coach Z, Zach Azani. Here's what Stukes said, quote, To be completely honest, Coach Z, Zach Azani, brought him up, Stukes said. Coach Z said, I have a receiver that I like. He's a small uh, slot receiver. Would you mind watching him as a returner? I put the tape on, obviously. I know there's a lot of Florida graduates out there, so I apologize, Stuke said, but anytime you have a kid at Samford that has production versus a big program, it draws your attention, right? So Coach Z brought him up. Then I went and watched him, and I said, this kid has talent, close quote. So, Zach, for better or for worse, we'll see how this this, uh, selection ends up coming out through the fullness of time here, but Zach Azani asserting him as as a target. Yeah, first of all, I, I really do like the rapport and, and the uh, the connection going on in the Broncos coaching staff. I love that George Payton gave his assistants in the front office on the coaching staff so much discretion and so much power in the war room. I love the fact they're working together, even though it's a new staff and Azani was a holdover. Um, I was one of the few that didn't hate the Washington pick because it's a fifth round pick and you're getting an instant starter. He's going to be your new returner. He's going to be electrifying. He's going to help change the complexity of some games and who knows, maybe even win some games on his own. So I never understood the pushback over a fifth round pick, but I, you got to trust Azani because what he's done in Denver with the receiving core has been remarkable. He's turned Tim Patrick into a uh, sort of a household name. He's made Cortland Sutton into a borderline top 10 guy. If he signs off on him, I'm, I'm okay with it. If Dwayne Stukes signs off, considering what I know about him thus far, uh, his mantra, what he wants to do with the Broncos special teams, the accountability, the explosion, being a productive side of that ball, if he signs off, I'm good with it too. So it just adds more credence to that selection that if you're still down on the Broncos, uh, expending a fifth-round flyer on a guy who's going to be starting from day one, maybe it makes you feel a little better. David McElrath, thank you for that super chat, my friend. It is good to see you. How have you been? He says, good evening, gentlemen. Hashtag MHH. Hashtag let's ride. And we've got one also here from Nicholas jumping in. Appreciate that, Nicholas. A newer name. Welcome. Welcome. Connect on Twitter. We like to shout out and keep in touch with our super chat superstars. After each and every stream, he says, what up, Broncos country? Been watching for over a year. I work night shifts, never get to catch the streams. Well, then, hey, dude, welcome. Glad to have you tonight. Do you guys think Coach Hackett is going to be a really good first-year coach? I do. But, Zach, I wouldn't be as confident in saying that if he was pushing forward into 2022, his maiden season as a head coach with Drew Locke or any other of the previous iterations of Russell Wilson is the game-changer. Like, He's going to get a lot of credit, Hackett, for things that are going to unfold for the Broncos in a positive way that really, you know, in the grand scheme of things, the the true impetus, I think that's the second time I've used that word on tonight's stream. We'll call it the the word of the the stream. 
is Russell Wilson. Now, I'm not trying to take anything away from Coach Hackett, but that's going to give him a huge leg up out of the gate. So Broncos are going to be a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, I was excited about Hackett before even the Russell Wilson trade, just because he's not Vic Fangio and Pat Schirmer goes bye-bye. But getting Russell Wilson, I was going to say, it's kind of hard to screw that up if you're Nathaniel Hackett. You're getting a franchise quarterback, you have weapons galore on offense, and a defense that finished top five in scoring last year that you built upon that should be even better with better coaching. So yeah, I think he'll be a good first-year coach, but good is subjective. What's your definition of good? Mine would be, let's let's say, an 11-6 and record in a playoff berth. That's a good first year for Nathaniel Hackett. Anything more than that is uh, obviously better, but I think he's the coach for the Broncos. He's going to be here quite a while, and I can't wait to see him work with this offense and with Russell Wilson. For what it's worth, don't take what I said as, as you know, uh, and don't interpret it to mean that I don't think he's worthy of being the head coach. Like I'm Zach and I both long before we had any reason to believe it would be anybody under center other than drew or a rookie taken in the draft. We were both stoked on the Nathaniel Hackett hire. I'm just saying when, when someone asks you, is he going to have a good first year? I mean, look at his quarterback. Yeah. He's going to have a good first year. So uh, just takes a little bit of fortune from the injury gods. He's going to be just fine. Um, one last thing, Zach, I want to back it up for just a second back on Washington. I want to close with one of the reasons why I am uber confident that the kid is actually going to turn out well. First of all, he's already been earmarked as the punt return or kick return. So the job as a rookie fifth round pick is already his to lose. That's usually, Zach, something reserved for first round picks. Second rounders sometimes like you're the starter unless you lose it type thing. That's what Washington suddenly um, is being, I, I don't want to say handed to him, but it's the opportunities right there for him. When he was asked at the podium during rookie minicamp, how does it feel to, you know, you've made it in the NFL? He's like, I don't feel like I've made it yet. Here, here's, in fact, exactly what, uh, where to go? I, I know I've, oh, here it is. I don't think I've made it yet to this point, Washington said. Yes, I'm here, but there is still a lot of work to be done. I'm hungry, to be honest with you. Every day I have to prove myself, I feel like. I definitely have not made it yet, close quote. So, Zach, that humble mentality, that focus, the drive, I love that. And then listen to what offensive coordinator Justin Outen said about him. They have bigger plans for Washington than just returning punts and kicks. This is Outen, quote, how does he fit in, et cetera, et cetera, quote. It's more of a speed type thing. You can use him for fly sweeps. You can use him for end arounds. You can use him down the field and blow the top off the defense. What a concept. With him, it's just the event KJ doesn't take off. You got another burner that can make big plays downfield by the name of Montreal Washington. Yeah, to his point about he has uh, a lot left to prove and he's hungry, I I do like that attitude, but if a team uses a fifth-round pick on you and you're billed as an undrafted free agent, you're pretty clear, you're pretty safe in terms of your roster status. But I said it when he was drafted, and I'll say it again. He's going to be everything the Broncos thought they were getting and that, that they messed up with with Isaiah McKenzie. Not just a returner on special teams, but a dynamic player on offense. Maybe not so dynamic in year one because they're going to slowly put more on his plate 
until he can handle more. But even if he's on the field, he gives the Broncos offense the threat of the downfield attack. He gives the Broncos offense the threat of speed that the defense has to account for. I love that answer from Justin Outen, and it reinforces what I said about Nathaniel Hackett. Just the fact that there's a coaching staff in Denver now that says these things, that wants to utilize these players the correct way. It's so exciting, and I think they're in for a huge offensive year collectively. A couple of quick shout-outs. Albert Knopper's in the house. What's up, bro? Legend. Legend, shout out to the Robot of Doom, and congrats on Twitch for getting to that uh, 400 followers. That's really cool for you, Big Dog. Um, a legendary figure is in our midst, Zach, none other than Chris Hernandez, almost a three-decade veteran, formerly, of the United States Air Force. Bro, thank you for the, the super you. sticker, the support, as always. We've missed you. How have you been? We want to get you back on the show in the near future. So let us know. Reach out to me on an email. Let me know or DM me on Twitter when that would work. But Chris, you're a prince. The podcast is always better when we see Chris Hernandez's name flash on, on the screen. So we definitely appreciate you, Chris. Hope you're doing well. And uh, if you have any questions, you want to interact, uh, pop it in the comments. We'll be sure to uh, address it. Another one of uh, in this community, one of my brethren in punk rock as well. We have a lot of uh, similar interest, Chris and I. Albert wants to know, are we going to have a meet and greet again? Yes. A true, well-planned and orchestrated meet-and-greet we're going to do. Um, probably two of them this fall. So we're, we're going to reveal the dates on that here in the near future. We got a few other ducks um, that we got to get in a row before we officially um, get, the, get that rolled out for everybody to start making plans. But we understand the sooner we can get that information out to people who want to travel, like Albert would be traveling to us and all that, uh, the better. So that'll come soon. We can't wait. Big ducks in that pond. Can't wait to reveal it all to you guys. Very exciting stuff. Yes, indeed. Um, okay, let me see here. Zach, while we're... Uh, there's a couple other things to talk about over the weekend, but I just want to take a quick gander here in the chat. Just uh, say some shout-outs. Dale Fleming, what's up, dude? Good to see you. Mike S. in the house. Leroy, what's going on? Oh, Yo. The father of Axel in the house. What's going on, Andrew Baker? What's up? Uh, school's out for summer, so been busy grilling and throwing the old pigskin to the kids. LOL. Axel has a cannon. That's dope, dude. It's great to see you. Uh, that's one of the spices of life when you're a dad, being able to throw the ball with the kid. It's it's fun. You know, you you la you, you appreciate those moments for what they are. Uh, ben Wallman, who do you think will be our starting inside linebackers, Zach? That's an interesting question because don't we can't be so quick to just pencil in Baron Browning, who finished the year as the starter, because purportedly, and that's a word I'm going to use specifically here, they're moving him to edge. Stupid. I, I, I still think that's a bum decision on the Broncos' part. Uh, he should stay at inside linebacker. But they do like Alex Singleton, who they signed, uh, the Eagles' leading tackler the last couple years. They re-signed Josie Jewell. They brought back Jonas Griffith. And I don't think in Evero's scheme, uh, he's going to need more than that. He's going to run a lot of uh, one inside linebacker packages, if that, a lot of sub packages where it's not a emphasized position in this defensive scheme. So I think they can get by with who they have. I'm going to say Jewel for sure is penciled in if they have one, but if they have two, they do like Singleton. But as I wrote, Chad, I'm going to botch his name, but the Broncos picked up an undrafted inside linebacker from USC by the name of Kanai Mauga. Yes. Yes. I'm going to pull that up. Keep talking. And 
And Evero talked about him after the Broncos rookie minicamp. He said he's a sharp kid and very coachable. All the things that we asked of him, he's been able to do. We're excited to get him with the other guys and see what he can do. What's exciting about Malga is he has a see ball, get ball mentality. He's not a you know five-star prospect by any means, but if you pop on the tape, he has a nose for the ball. He's good against the run, but he's also good in coverage. He scored an 84.0 coverage grade from PFF last season. Not a lot of inside linebackers on the Broncos roster can hang in coverage. This is one player who can. So if there is a dark horse at inside linebacker, Malga is that guy as of May 22nd. As I uh, offer up my answer to this, firstly, because I don't want to forget, want to give our great supporters on Facebook an update of where things stand um, on the goal for this month of may as you can see on the ticker we're trying to get to two hundred thousand stars when we do we are going to raffle off a broncos jersey of the winners choosing only people in the running for that are those who contribute to the goal like glp here uh like andrew like everybody else that supports but thankfully facebook makes it very easy on us to keep track of who the top uh people are and it's going to take up the whole screen for a second but as you can see here all right number one you got Gary Leeds Palmer. Um, oh, well, actually, no, I gotta, I gotta fix this. Hold on, that's the wrong one. I'll show, I'll come back to that in just a second. I'll come back to that. Let me grab Gary first because I grabbed the wrong image. GLP. Good afternoon, Chad and Zach and Scott. I have a hunch we're gonna see an all-star team, but I think Hackett is more experienced than given credit for, and will surprise them. That's for sure. And it's also encouraging to me, Zach, that he's the, of course, the son of a longtime and prolific coach. And Paul Hackett. So some kind of some Kyle Shanahan vibes kind of going in that respect. Well, I mean, working under Matt LaFleur and working alongside Aaron Rodgers will be great for your resume, but people are acting like Nathaniel Hackett never called plays before and they forget about his time in Jacksonville, what he did with Blake Bortles. So yeah, you know, you mentioned that if the Broncos win a lot of games, Russell Wilson and the Broncos offensive players will be getting the credit, but Nathaniel Hackett, what he's doing behind the scenes, drawing up the plays, game planning, uh, play calling something that the Broncos have been so bad in the last couple of seasons, that's going to improve tenfold as well. And by the end of the year, when they're a playoff team, everyone's going to say Hackett is the next, I don't know, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan. He's going to be up there in that regard. Agreed. Sam Bam. Thank you, bro. Number two for tonight. I hate to bring this up, but is there any news on Jerry Judy, the Jerry Judy incident? Is the possibility of a suspension still on the table? Hopefully nothing happens. Go Broncos. And then some uh, Sam Aki Hill wants to know, just curious, will Judy miss a game because of the stuff? So on the same topics, guys, thank you, first of all, for those supers. Love you. Much respect. Um, that's still in the wind. He hasn't been convicted of anything. So the NFL will kind of maintain, Zach, a wait-and-see posture on that in terms of discipline. Broncos also have the prerogative to issue any kind of discipline. Once the uh, you know gavel of justice comes down, if he ends up getting converted or convicted, converted, convicted, or if he pleads guilty to it or to accept like a lesser penalty or whatever, uh, et cetera, then the NFL might step in and actually issue a suspension. Even if he doesn't get convicted, they still, from the conduct policy perspective, could, although it's much less likely, especially on a not severe charge at all like this. I mean, he was arrested and that's bad. It's a bad look for the NFL, which is why they could still come back and suspend him. But I honestly, Zach, don't expect there to be any blowback from the league on this. 
if it was something that was domestic violence related, because of course, you know, this was a domestic is, uh, issue incident, I guess is a better word. No violence was involved. It, you know, we don't need to rehash the whole thing, but I want to remind everybody, this wasn't Jerry Judy getting arrested for like punching the mother of his child or something. That's not what happened. And that's not me condoning what he is accused of having done Zach, but just to help people keep it in perspective. Can Judy be converted into a receiver who catches passes? That's all I really care about. Yeah. I, this this little incident, if it wasn't for Colorado's kind of, I don't know, complicated domestic violence laws and statutes, I don't think Jerry Judy should have been arrested because the woman in this case literally said the case should be dismissed and that Jerry Judy didn't hit her. There was no physical violence. Um, it was an argument I think every couple has fairly often as well. It, they were withholding petty property from each other and they resolved it on their own. I would be really surprised if the NFL came down on Jerry Judy just because he was arrested. Wasn't a great look for him. And I think fans who criticized him and he's been criticizable if that's a word the last couple of years, but that arrest was like the confirmation bias they needed. Oh, look, he can't stay out of trouble. He's in a domestic violence situation, but as the facts show and the details show, I don't think it's that serious. I think he'll be okay. Yeah. Yep. And Hackett talked about for what it's worth. Thank you, Phil. Appreciate that, buddy. As I'm going to pull up the, the actual ranking so you guys can see it. Um, Hackett talked about the fact that, you know, we're going to learn from this as a team. He's going to use it as a teachable moment, hopefully, to edify the collective. Here are your rankings top five on Facebook for the Stars uh, goal. That is, if we hit goal, GLP is, in fact, in the first position, followed closely behind by Tim Hoffman. Mark Schrader at three, Jacob, the silent one, Foster at number four, and Phil, even though he had problems dealing with Facebook, having problems throwing down stars, ranked number five. So there you go. We'll offer up a super chat uh, update here in just a little bit. So there, there it goes. Adele, whoa, bro. What is going on? It's been a minute. Appreciate it. We've missed you, big dog. How are things up in big sky country, my friend? He says, what's your biggest question marks? For this coming season, I'm thinking inexperience on coaching and consistency on both sides of the ball. But dang, the AFC West is going to be fun to watch. Hey, Dale, seriously, bro. Great to see you. Um, I don't know if I should thank you or excoriate your name because my kids are now addicted to the PS5. But, you know, I'm joking. Love it, dude. Appreciate you. Zach, what's the answer here? What are the biggest question marks? For this coming season, Dale nailed one, and I'm going to say inexperience because Hackett, Evero, Outen, and Stukes are all rookie coaches and coordinators. So, yeah, that's a big uh, question mark. But also, to drill it down more specifically, some positional question marks offensive line. How is Billy Turner going to hold up at right tackle? Who's playing left guard? How is Garrett Bowles doing? You know, who's the center? Is it Cushionberry? Those questions have to be answered. Also, in inside linebacker, like we talked about, Chad, is Josie Jewell the starter? Can they get by with Alex Singleton? Did they make a mistake converting Baron Browning? And also the secondary. How is Ronald Darby? We all assume PS2 is going to be an all-pro pro bowler. I think that's a pretty safe assumption. But what about Ronald Darby? How is Kwan Williams going to hold up? Is he going to stay healthy? Who's going to step up behind them? Is Ojan Moody going to come back? What about the safety position opposite Justin Simmons? Is it Kareem Jackson's or is it Caden Stearns? There's a lot of question marks when you drill it down, but they're very specific. And I think Dale, though, if he wanted a 10,000-foot view, he nailed the biggest one, and it's inexperience on the coaching staff. No doubt. No doubt about it. But here's what I would say to give you uh, optimistic – reason to expect the Broncos to overcome that inexperience. 
the great equalizer, you have a real franchise quarterback. So that helps, you know, again, it's when, when we talk about a quarterback being the tide that raises all ships, we're not just talking about the players around them. We're talking about the coaches as well and their foibles and limitations and whatever it might be sourced at could be inexperienced. But for me, you touched on it a little bit, Zach. The other thing uh, that I'm a little bit concerned about is just simply will Bradley Chubb and will Randy Gregory be on the field together for a measurable number of games? If they are, oh, man, this defense is going to be something special, I think. But that's my biggest concern is both of them staying healthy. Now, the good news is Chubb has been healthy through this entire offseason. Last time that happened for him, he put up 12 sacks, um, almost put himself in the record books on the NFL side, put himself in the record books on the Broncos side. He now has the most sacks for a rookie in franchise history. Randy Gregory, I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to give you the upside here, the optimistic view, got that shoulder dealt with very early in the offseason, right? Literally on the heels of signing his contract with the Broncos, boom, under the knife. So I'm optimistic, I'm hopeful, Zach, that those two are going to be available together on the field because if they're available, it's only a short matter of time before they impact. It's not a matter of will they or if, it's a matter of when. Yeah, I want to just uh, chase. I When I first talked about inside linebackers, I mentioned Griffith after Singleton. I said the Broncos could be fine with those three. So I'm not ignoring Jonas Griffith. I'm just saying Josie looks like the penciled-in starter and Alex Singleton, who, who, who they targeted and signed in free agency, looks like a guy they like a lot as well. But, Chad, would you say we're an unbiased, objective podcast? I, I'd say we are, you know, regularly, consistently. If you want to be objective, I think a question mark that's worth pondering as, as well is Russell Wilson. We all think he's going to be terrific. I think he's going to have a huge bounce back season, but he has to prove that. He's coming off a career worst season where his Ironman streak uh, got snapped. He got an injury that kind of held him back. Is he going to rebound from that? Is he going back to prime Russell Wilson, or was that injury a sign of things to come for his future? I think he's going to you know, answer the call, but that's also a question mark that's worth uh, noting. Yes, it is. It is. Um Overall, tell, us, though, tell us how, ZZZ. Just tell us how. And don't bring up <laughs> Drew Locke. Without bringing up Drew Locke, that's the challenge. Tell us how we're biased. I would say from – I'll just speak for myself. I try to be as unbiased as I can be. But if you're a human being walking the earth, you're going to have a bias. You're going to have biases on every level. The question is how much can you keep those biases in check? And that's not really for us to decide. That's for you guys to decide if, if we do a good job or not at – that particular brief. Yeah. ZZ wants to continue grinding axes on drew lock, but really what, what, I don't know. I mean, we're sitting here in may. Why not dude? I mean, what else are we going to do? What's the most um, biased thing? I'm going to speak for myself here, Zach. What's the most biased thing I've said about drew lock. All right. That I believed that he had the upside potential to be a franchise quarterback. Not that he was, not that he's the bee's knees, that I see that in him as a potential eventuality. I've said other things like, you know, disagreeing with slash questioning the wisdom of going with Teddy over him to open last season because you could have always gone to Teddy and you don't know what that might have cost you in terms of what could have been with Drew. But 
we could rehash all this stuff, Zach. It's water under the bridge. I mean, that water is out to sea by now. So either way, Drew Locke's gone. Yeah, that the water is in the Pacific Ocean because he plays for Seattle, so we don't have to talk about him anymore. We might see him on week one, but that's about it. But yeah, if that's the most biased thing you can think of is that we thought he should be given a fair opportunity and there's more to his potential than what we what we saw. And also the fact that Broncos coaches held him back and went with the wrong quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater. I don't think that's biased. I think that's pretty objective. The fact that we're still talking about it, though, says more about the people bringing him, him up than it does us. Rent free, baby. I am hoping he somehow manages to win the starting job so that we get the storylines. We get every possible storyline for week one because it's already going to be replete with storylines, just their whole rust. Even if all the Broncos did was give up draft picks, there were no players looking for revenge on the Broncos, and it was just Russ's return to Seattle. I mean, that's juicy enough, especially right off the bat. I mean, think about it. Put yourself in the the shoes of a Seattle Seahawks fan, Zach, and, you know, disappointing season for them. One of the only two in the Russell Wilson era that did not result in a playoff berth. You know, you've heard some rumors as the season ended, but Russell tamped them all down. You're not that worried about him not being your quarterback next year, and then suddenly he's not. And then the very next time you get to see him, he's battling against you. Like, you know, a little compassion, I guess, I I would feel for uh, the 12s up there in, in Seattle. Yeah, and on Monday Night Football, to boot. I mean, just the, the yes. biggest stage of the week in the NFL. It's going to be some matchup, and I can't wait to see Russell Wilson throw for like three touchdowns, 300 yards, and the Broncos oh. win going away. Dude, it's going to be brutal. Wilson is going to mop the floor. Can't wait. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be able to speak with a little bit better accuracy once we see how some of the position competitions shape up for the Seahawks this summer. But I'm telling you, this is not – this is not Peyton Manning's first go against the Colts after they had cut him, which he lost, by the way, to because the Colts had Andrew Luck and the Seahawks have Geno, Geno Smith. Smith. I mean, just as good. No? Maybe Drew Locke. But as, as much as I uh, like Drew Locke and still think he has some upside, I mean, come on now. I'm not even going to put him on the same in the same universe right now anyway with russ yeah it's gonna be not fair to put it put it one way seattle i think as the season goes on they can maybe develop into a team that pushes for a wild card but in week one prime time with a raring broncos team and russell wilson good luck is all i'll say all right let's uh turn the page Kayla here bomb, baby to to the duchess throwing down thank you, Kayla. thank you wow thank you very much my friend we love you we appreciate you mount rushmore she says, how awkward would it be if Drew does beat us? I mean, yeah, it would be awkward. It would be awkward, but it's not yeah. going to happen. I'm telling you. The number of – you want to talk about ducks, and you want to talk about rows, the number of ducks that would have to fall perfectly in a row, I think, for that to happen. I mean, I'm not trying to pretend the Broncos are – you know, we're not talking about the uh, you know, 2015 squad. We're not talking about even – a Kansas City Chiefs team that has now six six straight seasons of, of league dominance. You know, we're talking about a Broncos team who won seven games last year that now has a new coaching staff and a new quarterback. So there is like that realm of, well, you know, these, these weren't world beaters. But again, the franchise quarterback, Seattle Seahawks are going to learn this a hard way, man. 
the best coaches in the world can avail you not if you don't have the franchise quarterback. And that's really uh, how it's going to come come out in the wash, I believe. I mean, any given Sunday or any given Monday in this case, anything could happen, but I, I don't see the Broncos losing this game. Though Michaela and Chad, I brought this up a few pods ago. I said, imagine, imagine if Drew Locke beats the Broncos on Monday Night Football. God help those in Dove Valley. It would be pure anarchy, but it's not going to happen. Then we all woke up. It was just a bad dream. Yes. Michaela, love you. Seriously. Appreciate you. you so much. Ben wants to know if we see Peyton, that's George Peyton, trading any interior lineman to get more picks for next year. Well, he is, I'm not going to say like single-minded about trying to stockpile picks for next year, but he has uh, made it clear, Zach, that yeah, that's a priority for him and that he's actually guaranteed the Broncos will have more picks come the draft than they currently do. So does an interior lineman factor in? Because let's look at who and what might have value in that respect. Dalton Reisner would have some value if you wanted to trade him. Graham Glasgow to a lesser extent, but let's not pretend Graham is chopped liver. Natani Muti, but not much. I mean, Natani Muti was a sixth-round pick. You might be able to spin him for a seventh, maybe, like conditional seventh or something. Who else is there? Lloyd? Lloyd Cushenberry, you could get some value out of Lloyd, I think, but not much and definitely not worth what you invested in him in terms of his third-round pedigree. So really what this means to me, Zach, is could you see the Broncos trading Dalton Reisner and or Graham Glasgow? I mean, beyond the fact they'd have minimal value, what are you getting back a 2024 conditional seventh-round pick? It's not really worth it if they're starting players. I was listening to Lance and Scott the other night on the uh, on the podcast and Lance brought up maybe trading Cushionberry and Scott pushed back and I agree with that because who are you going to replace him with who, who we don't even know who the Broncos center is going to be you mentioned Glasgow but the Broncos first move this offseason I think it was was restructuring Glasgow and bringing him back he's obviously in their future plans either at guard or center but if you trade Reisner who's starting a left guard if you trade Cushionberry who's starting at center I can understand Cushionberry becoming a backup, losing that job, but to get him off the roster to pick up a late round pick two years from now, I think is bad business. Honestly, I'd keep him. Yeah, Dale, props to Phil for battling the algo bots. No doubt about it. Hey, let's grab this question, Zach, from Daryl um, on Facebook. Who's going to be, the, since we are bringing up Cush, who's going to be the Broncos starting center? Is it going to be the rookie Luke Wattenberg or Lloyd? I think it's going to be Graham Glasgow, dude, because I think the Broncos want Reisner and Quinn Miners on the field at the same time. And if you're paying that, look, he took a pay cut to come back, Graham Glasgow, but you're still paying him a heck of a lot more than you're paying Lloyd Cushenberry. And in the sense of, hey, Lloyd's only in year three, you know, he could still grow and percolate a little bit in this new coaching system, this new blocking system under the new coach. Uh, Butch Berry, I think the dark horse is Graham Glasgow. So your trio would be inside Reisner left guard, Glasgow center, Miners right guard. It's not going to be Wattenberg. He needs mm -mm. at least a year to develop. Uh, he's a decent prospect for the future. It's going to be, I agree, either Glasgow or Cushenberry. I think I'm the only podcast host on this network, Chad, who believes in Cushenberry. 
And I know he had a couple down seasons where he graded out poorly according to PFF, but his quarterbacks were Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke. He had horrible coaching. It's the quarterback of the O-line. Tough position to play, but the athletic profile that Cushenberry has, I think, meshes with the, the zone and the scheme change they're going to under Butch Berry. So I'd like to see him get another shot. He's a dependable player. He played, I believe, every single snap on offense last couple seasons. I'm keeping him around as a backup or as a starter. Guys, no more Drew Locke stuff. All right, we already been there, done that. Um, and as Ernie says, it's, up, it's about the Broncos. Let's go. Let's go. Um, hey, look who it is. Ron Dub throwing down a very generous super chat. It's going to be an amazing question. I already know. Thanks, Ron. Imagine these to, this to be a fork, this to be a knife, right? You're like, getting ready to cut in. Ron, you're the man, dude. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. He says, hey, guys, which edge rusher will have the potential to change the outcome of a game and who will have more sacks? Which tight end, he also asks, has more versatility and can have the biggest impact on the game and who will be Russ's favorite target? Man, that's a one, two, three, four, five, five. Let's start with who, which edge rusher, Zach, will have the potential to change the outcome of a game. So picture Von Miller circa 12 through 11 through, no, I'm going to say 12. Von Miller circa 2012 through 16. Which guy has the ability to chips her down? You're protecting a one-point lead. Final drive, final chance for the opponent. And boom, Von Miller swoops in with a strip sack, gets the ball back. You kneel it, you go home, winners. Who can do that? I, I would hope we can pull up the play. I've mentioned it before. Maybe Scott or Chad, you can do it. But the Randy Gregory forced fumble against the Patriots last year where he literally decapitated Mac Jones. Maybe not literally, but figuratively, he destroyed him. He lit him up. And the Broncos haven't had a presence like that, a dog like that on defense since Von Miller, since DeMarcus Ware of those days under Wade Phillips. Randy Gregory, if healthy, will earn that contract. He will earn the fans' trust, and you will see what kind of game changer he can be, especially under Evero. I think Bradley Chubb can get 10 to 12 sacks, but if Gregory stays healthy, you're talking about a player whose ceiling is 15, 18 sacks. He can be that dominant. If we're talking this year alone, I have to agree, because as much as I think Chubb is, if he's on the field, you're going to get 10 to 12, you're going to get 12 to 16 sacks. I'm going to say 10 to 14 sacks out of this cat. He's never been the guy that delivers in the clutch, even in his uh, best seasons as a Bronco. So specifically 2018 and 2020, Gregory has a chance. Now, this could be a different conversation a year from now. We could be saying Nick Benito, depending on how he develops. So interesting question. Um, I do think, though, all things being equal because of the health thing, I'm going to say I'm going to err on the side of Chubb finishing the season with more sacks this year than than Randy Gregory. But if Gregory stays healthy the whole year, I mean, I think he ends up stacking up probably more. But that's still to me, it's a it's a pretty big if Zach. I could see Bradley Chubb having more sacks, but uh, Gregory having more game changing plays, force yeah. fumble, strip sack stuff like that. He's going to be a menace as long as the injury bug doesn't bite. God willing. All right, so. Which tight end has the most versatility and, and can impact the game? I think if you're looking at versatility and impact of the game, it, uh, with this current collection of players, Zach, it's two different answers because the most versatility right, exactly. at, at this stage, it's probably Eric Sauber, to be honest with you. Wow. The guy who has the most ability as a blocker, 
balanced with ability as a pass catcher. So even if I'm wrong on that, all right, and that you want to point to a different tight end that might have more versatility, the one that could have the biggest impact on the game, to me, it comes down to Albert O or Greg Dulcich in terms of receiving ability. And because I, I have a more tangible thing to touch in the sense of Albert O, I'm going to err on the side of Albert Okawebunam. But look, the Broncos are freaking geeked up about Greg Dulcich. So we should not sleep on him. Yeah. You took what I was going to say there, which is it's a two prong answer. Uh, versatility though. I would give the edge to Dulcich. If I'm the number 80 overall pick, I'm not worried about Eric freaking Saubert. I mean, the potential for Dulcich is quite higher. So he is a better blocker than Alberto. He's a good receiver. And the Broncos, like Chad mentioned, are very, very high on him and his flowy main. In terms of impact from day one, from week one, that's Alberto to me. He's a steam stretcher. He's the veteran or one of the veterans among the group. He has experience as a starter. When he's healthy and he's not dropping passes, he can be that Jimmy Graham in this Denver offense for Russell Wilson. Um, I'm going to say his last question there is irrespective of tight end. Just generally speaking, who is Russ's favorite target? Cortland Sutton. Yeah. Book that dude. Book it. I'll I'll tell you one thing though. He's going to love throwing a Tim Patrick when he gets into trouble and just lob it up with Tim Patrick's sure hands. We might have the opportunity to view Twitter and a particular play that, uh, Kelberman hinted at here in just a moment's time, but, um, this is this is what he's getting Watch to. Watch this. Watch one this. time in and out quickly. Bam! Oh, watch watch the celebration from '94. Gregory he t- tears his helmet off. He has that. The, see how the defense flocks to him. He provides that spark. He changed the game in one play. When's the last time a Broncos player has done that on defense? Years. Let's hope, man. Fingers crossed. That's what the Broncos are paying for. So, and again, Ron, dude, the questions, love it. Love it, bro. Uh, Keisho Gookie TV, it's been a minute, big dog. Appreciate you. Says, hey, guys, looking forward to this season. You got a new car. Hey, congrats on the new car. Congrats. What did you buy for what it's worth? You got to tell us what it what it is. You know what I'm saying? Uh, hey, shout out to Shane, who's a great supporter. I know he's left reviews on Apple Podcasts when we've asked him to. Really appreciate that, buddy. You Good to see you in the chat. Um, we are at 45 minutes, so I'm going to take a quick uh, pass back through the chat and make sure I haven't missed anything here, Zach. And on that same note, make sure there's not a storyline we haven't hit uh, real quick. Well, I guess we should talk about this. This is, this is noteworthy, all right? The Denver Broncos uh, put out a press release over whatever it was. It was Thursday night or Friday. And uh, defensive coordinator Ajira Evero and front office executive Kelly Klein have been selected for Denver to represent Denver uh, in the NFL's coach and front office accelerator program. What the Sam Hill is it? First and foremost, takes place during the spring league meeting in Atlanta, May 23rd and 24th. And the point of it is it provides senior minority prospects and minority prospects with senior minority prospects. That's a, that's a, that's a typo. Anyway, with leadership and development sessions to be held with NFL football operation experts, facilitators, and even with club owners, the objective aims to build a quote, 
diverse hiring pipeline for this is where it kind of gets interesting, Zach, future head coach and GM candidates. So this implies, Zach, obviously the um, minority component, that's what this is about, is get it, giving them more opportunities. So in the case of Evero um, being black and in the case of Kelly being female, getting that opportunity. But the Broncos view them with some kind of upside potential to one day be a head coach candidate slash general manager candidate, Zach. So, you know, maybe not the most exciting uh, topic to discuss here in the middle of the summer, but really cool to hear yeah. both these two having their star, as it were, advanced with an opportunity like this. Yeah, a lot of people think around the NFL that Evero can be a future head coach, and uh, this would seem to further that. And then also Kelly Klein, um, the Broncos poached her from Minnesota and gave her a fancy job title. And anyone who George Payton leans on, I think, is uh, has a bright future in the NFL, and he's she's his right-hand woman. Kelly Klein in the Broncos front office, though I kind of do hope eventually the Broncos lose Evero because wouldn't that mean they gain a third round draft pick or is it a team that hires a minority coach gets a third round pick? I think it's the second thing. Pretty sure, but hope he he gets one anyway. Those things, those rules have been changing a lot lately. So forgive us if we don't know that one right off the cuff, but, uh, but yeah, it's kind of interesting because, you know, um, I'm trying to think of who some of Denver's past candidates. I know that the uh, what's his name? Who the, oh, what's his name? The dude that was the Saints exec, the Terry Fontenot, that got hired by the Falcons. He was uh, groomed through a program similar to this. It might have been this program, and he eventually became a GM as a as a former front office executive. So this is cool. This is cool. A interesting development for those guys, and hopefully it comes back and not only benefits them as individuals, but of course, hopefully they learn a few things that help the Broncos. Yeah. It's a good look for the Broncos for sure. Um, Okay, guys, we are about out of time here before we dip on out. Zach, if you want to just peruse the chat just for a second, I'm, I'm scrolling through to grab something on the back end. I'll be right back. Yeah. Bobby Vincent chiming in. Agree with Zach's take on Cushionberry. Appreciate you, Bobby. Yeah. I'm I'm a Cush guy, man. I know he's not exactly, uh, Jason Kelsey at center, but there's some there there. And the Broncos haven't explored that. They haven't given him a chance with a decent quarterback and decent coaching. And he's athletic, seemed to fit this scheme under Butch Berry. So I hope he gets a chance and I think he'll excel with it. K Hop chiming in. K Hop 16. Good to see you, K Hop. He says Hamler is going to be the locket of the offense and Sutton is going to be the DK. What does that make Tim Patrick, though, and Jerry Judy? I mean, the Broncos just have so many weapons. We run out of comparisons, but mm-hmm. I'm excited and pulling for KJ Hamler personally after what he's been through. He looks like you mentioned, Chad, and he is ahead of schedule. He looks like he's been beefing up, muscling up a little bit. He can provide the Broncos what no other player can in that receiving core and that speed. And another player I want to see not held back by the doldrums of the last regime. That's the biggest thing with KJ. Like we've talked about, even with Chubb and Gregory is there's no doubt. There's no question about his talent and what he can bring to a team, but he was injured as a rookie hampered his uh, ability to make an impact with that hammy, right? The same hammy that prevented him from fully plying his wares in the pre-draft process still ended up as a second round pick. So don't feel too sorry for him, but then he gets hurt in year two early on in the season. So KJ, just stay healthy, bro. Because I know that if you stay healthy, everything else will fall in line and take care of itself. But Zach, real quick, and then we're going to get out of here. Shout out to Dylan. Article number, what is it? Three? I think this is article number three. 
His headline, Broncos can exploit these major weaknesses of the AFC West rivals. What are they? For the Las Vegas Raiders, writes Dylan, the back seven. He talks about here, Zach, how the Raiders' most glaring weakness is this back seven, a unit that relinquished 229 passing yards per game last season, which is middle of the pack. Vegas only managed to pick off its opposition six times in 17 games, which ranked, as you can see here, dead last. We'll, we'll get to the other two, but do you think the Raiders did enough to improve that end of their defense, Zach? Well, they did enough in the front seven, bringing in Chandler Jones to work opposite uh, uh, Max Crosby. I was going to say Khalil Mack for whatever reason. So having a better pass rush should help the secondary because they won't have to cover for that long. But yeah, they, they don't have much talent back there. And um, even though they hired Patrick Graham, who I like a lot as DC, they're going to be able to exploit that, uh, that secondary. All right, then we get to the Chiefs, who Dylan says pass rush and cornerback are the big issues here. KC's problems also stem from its defense with a lack of depth at edge rusher and cornerback at the top. First rounder, George Karloftis, he of the I want to sack the little guy Russell Wilson fame, uh, is a relative unknown, which I agree. Um, Mike Dana has five sacks over two seasons. There's just not much when you get past Frank Clark, which he mentions here. Nothing special. He's only managed to notch 18 and a half sacks, Zach, in three seasons as a chief. And then at cornerback. Hmm. So I think, uh, especially as it relates to their secondary, if Karloftis as a first round pick comes through in the clutch and, and ends up being providing first round pedigree production, this, the first half of his equation here gets X'd out. But cornerback in the back end, that's going to be a problem, I think, for the Chiefs this year. They need one of their two first-round picks, either Karloftis or McDuffie, to pan out for that defense to get better. Um, we don't know how the Kansas City offense is going to look either, replacing Tyreek Hill. That's a really, really good receiver, and they signed like a bunch of veterans, and they drafted Sky Moore, but I don't think any of them individually are Tyreek Hill. So I want to see how Mahomes and Andy Reid adjust to that loss. For the Chargers defensive line, right, Dylan. The Chargers struggle when it comes to their D-line. Uh, they struggled mightily against the run last year, allowing almost 140 yards per game. This is attributed to D-lineman Linval Joseph and Jerry Tillery's failure to anchor the middle. Uh, Linval was replaced with Sebastian Joseph Day, who could be an improvement, but he doesn't have Aaron Donald this time, taking away attention from him. The depth behind Bosa and Mack for the Chargers also is lackluster. So we'll see. Maybe the D-line, yes, because they are more of a 4-3. Well, no, that's not true. I'm thinking about it. We're talking about the Staley defense here. When you have, Zach, two edge rushers of this caliber, I don't worry so much about what's behind them just because I guess Max struggled with a little injuries a little bit more the last couple few years. Bosa, I'm trying to remember. I get him confused sometimes with his brother as far as their injury history. Nick got injured his second year, right? Wasn't it year two or was it year one? Either way, those guys are so good, Zach, that I don't worry about their edge, but their their D-line probably is going to be an opportunity for the Broncos to exploit with one Javante Williams and, and Melvin Gordon. Well, what should help them out is the uh, Chargers signed J.C. Jackson, a pair with Derwin James and Mike Davis, cornerback. So that secondary and defense should be fairly good. Uh, my question mark for the Chargers is their coaching. I'm not the biggest Brandon Staley fan, to be quite honest with you, and you can argue his aggressiveness cost the Chargers a playoff spot last year. So I think he gets in over his head at times. He gets too cute, and it could be his downfall. I'll put Hackett up against Brandon Staley any day. 
Guys, thanks for joining us here on a May 22nd. Tomorrow, though, it's going to be exciting because, of course, we'll be back, but Broncos are back. They're in the building, OTAs, actual practices on the grass, media. We're going to be able to see a lot tomorrow, so tons to talk about then. Hey, that was the Huddle Up Podcast, guys. We're back on tomorrow night, as Chad said. Same time, same place, 6 o'clock Mountain, 8 o'clock Eastern. Until that time, follow us on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. You can follow the main account on Twitter at Mile High Huddle. You can follow Chad on Twitter at Chad and Jensen. You can follow myself at Kelberman NFL. Follow Scott on Twitter at Scout Kennedy. If you guys haven't, please go to HuddleUpPod.com and get your merch if you haven't already. Uh, looked at the website. We've renovated it, redesigned it. It looks good. It's sleek. A lot of products to choose from. HuddleUpPod.com. That's your waypoint. And also Facebook.com slash MyLaHuddlePod. Like that page. Follow that page. Guys, please, if you haven't, go to Apple Podcasts and leave your football priest a five-star review for a chance to win some merch each and every single month. But... As you can see ticking below you, please do these three things. Subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHH channel. It really, really, really helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. That's right, and we appreciate those of you who take the time uh, to do that. I would be remiss, Zach, to bounce on out of here without showing the Super Chat rankings for the month of May. Here's how it stands. DWI guys at the top, Michael Ronquillo at two, the Duchess at three, Pobby at four, Tanner at five, D-Dub six. You can see some of the names. Top five finishers on YouTube on Super Chat in this month of May. Their names go into a hat, raffle, draw one out. That's who gets a Broncos jersey of their choosing. But shout-outs tonight include on Facebook, Ben Wallman, as you can see, uh, Phil McLaughlin, Andrew Baker, Gary Leeds Palmer, and our great Super Chat superstars, starting with the Duchess, Michaela Parker, Nicholas Chris Hernandez, uh, Samaki Hill, Sam Bam, Dale Roods. Good to see you, Dale. We've missed you, big dog. Ron Dub and Keisho Gookie TV. Seriously, appreciate each and every one of you. And not just for supporting us, helping keep the lights on, but providing great commentary, great questions, great topics for us to discuss and, and keep this a dialectic between Zach, not just Zach and I talking to each other, but us talking with you as well. So we really appreciate that engagement, you guys. And the answer is no, Raider Drox. You cannot get a Raiders jersey, <laughs> but have a great Sunday, everyone. Rest of your weekend. Take care. And as always, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.